Lord, it's so easy as humans to, uh, I don't know, be distracted, to think about what's next, to think about it's too cold, too hot, um, you know, all those things, Lord, that just threaten to pull our focus from you. Lord, I ask today that as uh, uh, we study your word, that people's um, ears would be open to what you would have to say to them. Um, Father, even if a message isn't great, Lord, your word is And uh, just your word is enough to teach us, convict us, uh, encourage us. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting, um, those that uh, might be trapped in in walls of bitterness or anger, frustration, or brokenness. Lord, I pray you'd restore them because that's what you do. And uh, if there's those that don't know you, Lord, that haven't truly put their faith in you, that today would be the day um, where you change their life. I pray that you'd help me to preach your word. And only your word, and I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. I think I already said my name five times, so I'm going to tell you again. Hey, if you are new or you haven't been here in a while, we're in the midst. This is actually the last. This is the last uh, message in our Walking with Jesus series until Jill Easter-ish. You see, you get, we're going to come back. We're going to pause and come back. Um, but Walking with Jesus is our, we try to do this yearly where we go through one of the Gospels and walk through with Jesus. And that is what we've been doing. And today is the last one of those. Now, here's the good news. If you missed, that's okay. Because you can hop in right now, and it's completely, each story is self-contained. You see that? Um, But, yeah, today is our last, and we will pick it back up um, later this year. We're going to move on for a while. Uh, But today is a little different. We've been in the Gospel of John, and we are going to have two sections from John, but I also have two sections from Luke, because they make a point. Has anyone here ever read... Brothers Grimm fairy tales. I think that's what they call fables. Has anyone ever heard of them? Okay, good. I just want to see. Does anyone just don't want to raise their hand tonight, today? Thank you. Uh, you snotty guy. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, yes, this is ironic. Now, yeah, sometime this week, I heard a story called Dr. Know All. I was listening to a podcast while I've been walking, trying to lose some pounds. I'm adding, adding some extra cardio. And uh, I was listening to a podcast, and it told a story, it was called Myths and Legends, so I'm, you know, if anyone knows me, I'm all about that. But it was really a Brothers Grimm fairy tale, and it was, it was called Dr. Noah, and essentially, <clears throat> what I'm going to tell you is not the, uh, each of the Brothers Grimm stories have a moral, right? They have a point. What I'm about to tell you is not the moral of this story. Uh, it's just how it impacted me, okay? So you'll have to read it for the, for the story. So it starts out with this wagon maker named Crab. His name is Crab. So Crab goes and he is late and he's delivering uh, wood. He's not a, I don't want to say wagon man. He makes wagons, I believe, but he also, uh, he delivers wood. That's his primary job. So he's delivering wood to a doctor. And so he delivers the wood. He's a little late and they're sitting down for dinner. And it's cold and it's late. And as he gets up to leave, he stays in the doorway and he begins to sob. So the doctor, in the one I listened to, kind of was like, he didn't really want to deal with it. You ever been there? You don't want to, you see someone in need, but let's be honest, you don't actually want to deal with it because it's going to be very uh, inconvenient. Jason's like, yes, every day. Anyway, um, so eventually his wife says, honey, wives, you know that. You make your husbands do good things. Get, go check. So he gets up, he's, and he goes in and goes, hey, how can I help you? The guy begins to sob, and he says, I look at your life, and he goes, I, I, I wasted my life. I could have been a doctor. And instead, I'm spending my nights chopping wood in the forest, 
Now, in the Brothers Grim Fairy Tale, he says, like, there's ogres in there trying to eat me, you know, monsters. It's cold all the time. I have to go in the water sometimes. I'm miserable, and I just look at your life, and you're warm, and you're comfortable, and you have wood delivered to you, and you get to eat when you want to, and it just, I just feel like I've wasted my life. I could have just, you know, now it's too late. And so the, the doctor kind of goes, looks around, and he says, what is what do you mean it's too late? It's not too late. And he goes, well, yeah, it is. You know, I don't have the time to go to medical school and do all these things I need to do. And the doctor says to him, he says, uh, he kind of laughs and goes, uh, you think I went to medical school? And he says, yeah. He goes, listen, I'm going to help you out here. This is what you do. He knew this guy lived in the next town over. This is in the old, old days, Jill. Okay, there's no cars or cell phones, Jill. Come on. So it moves forward. <clears throat> so he says to him, he feels safe to say, he goes, this is what you do. Go sell your wagon and your ox and all that stuff. And he goes, buy this book. It's called the ABCs. Essentially what you get is it has all the answers to everything. It's kind of just an encyclopedia. Buy this book. Buy yourself some nice doctor clothes, a stethoscope, and write on your sign, Dr. Know-all. Right? Yeah, exactly. Funny. He goes, this is ridiculous. So, however, he goes, that's what I did. I didn't go to... I didn't, and then he says, uh, I don't have the money. The people here pay me in chickens and wood, but at least I get to eat every day. And so he says, okay. So he goes on, and he begins, and he does this. He sells it, he buys the book, and he begins to treat people for their sickness. And that's where we'll stop. You'll have to read it yourself for the rest of the way, okay? But let me ask you this. And believe it or not, the point of it is not what you think. He does not get in trouble for this. (laughs) However, for me, I think it's really interesting that I that I stumbled upon this. Let me ask you a real question. If today you went to the doctor, you got a new doctor, and he said, hi, and you said, hi, you know, how you doing? And up on his wall, he just has a handwritten diploma that says, I am a doctor, right? Would you feel comfortable being treated by him? How many here, this is just my own personal, you know, I'm not a great pastor. I just want to know, I'm curious. How many people would have the guts at that moment to literally say something or walk out? How many of you would probably be like, I'm just going to not listen to him, right, and then leave? Okay, that's what I thought. Most of us would be like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would, and I'm not a, I don't know if I'd say anything. <clears throat> but we know that doctors are doctors if they have the qualifications to be a doctor, right? Let me ask you that. They can't just make up their own qualifications. They can't just be a doctor know-all, right? They can't even, what about if they have a nice medical encyclopedia? Would you trust them to treat you? Maybe if it's like, hey, you know, take this vitamin. But if you have a real, okay, like, I wouldn't do it at all. Exactly, right? <clears throat> we have the internet now. I could probably watch a video on how to do surgery. You want to let me do surgery on you, Luke? No, he immediately, this is the only time he's ever actually, you will not do surgery on me. Yeah, yeah no. They can't just, why? Because they can't just make up their qualifications. We need to know that they have went through what they've went through in order to have confidence that they are what they say they are, right? They can't make up their qualifications. Okay, what about doing it halfway? What if you went to the doctor and he, you sit down and he tells you that, hey, when he, you ask about his sign, he says, hey, don't worry. I went through two years of my medical school before I dropped out, right? You wouldn't be okay with that. No, probably not. What about, what about if he just, what if he went through all of medical school but only the classes he liked? Right? Would you be comfortable with that? Why not? 
He might pick up some things that are useful. If he, especially if he went to the ones he likes and he went through all four years, six years, eight years, you know, whatever, depending on where he's at. And he learned, maybe he even went and did some surgery a couple times. But he didn't get all of his hours. At the end of the day, you wouldn't have very much confidence. I guarantee you. Why? Because your health is very important to you. So you want to make sure that the person who's giving you advice, speaking to you, talking to you, working on you, has the qualifications, the knowledge, and the proof that they are what they say they are. We understand this concept. Here's the thing. Christianity today has become a game of Dr. Know-all. I'm serious. Every church in America, every church is going to agree with what I say. Every Christian will, or is going to agree with what I say. Here's the thing. We all, if we want to change the face of modern Christianity, if you want it to feel alive, then here's the thing. You have to stop being a doctor know-all and have to actually stop following Jesus. Not just the parts we don't like. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of really good people. This is one of those messages. It doesn't matter who you are in here. I'm going to offend you. I'm going to offend you. Because as human beings, we have a tendency to be Dr. Know-alls. We will choose, pick and choose what we want to follow and justify it. And here's where it gets scary. What if 90% of the people agree with you on something that's only part way? Does that make it okay? Does that make sense? What if everybody in this room said it's okay to only halfway be a Christian? Whatever that means. Maybe disciple's a better word. Did you guys know that Christian, there are some that think the term Christian was actually made to be a derogatory term? We were called followers and disciples. Disciple, the word translated, essentially means learner. Learner. Christian was a derogatory term. Now, those that belong to Christ, that's okay. We take it. We own it. We belong to him. But I think that's so interesting. Do you ever feel like there's a difference between being a Christian and a disciple? There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. Biblically, there isn't. If you were to be what we have termed to be Christian, we have made it synonymous with disciple, but yet we admit and acknowledge to ourselves that, well, that's not really the case. Because a disciple is the weird people, right? They're the real churchy people. They're the real sold-out Bible thumpers. I'm in the world, but not of it. Whatever justification that we use. We pick and choose which parts of this faith that we want to submit to based on how palatable it is. Ooh, that's a big word. What does it mean? If it's palatable enough, most of us will accept it. So in Christianity, if you've been around the remnant long enough, you'll hear this term all the time. If you're new, get used to it because I hope you come back. It's called the great masquerade. We all play this great masquerade. You wear a mask, and I won't look under your mask if you don't look under mine. As long as we pick things that are palatable, most of the crowd will agree with it. Because we, what's, this, what's synonymous with palatable? Well, it means it goes down easy. It means comfortable. It's comfortable. So remember what I said earlier. I'm going to offend you. That's going to happen today. I'm going to poke you. But here's the thing. I'm not really going to. Jesus is. Because I want to see what parts of what Jesus says about if we choose comfort. If we choose the parts we like. Is it possible to be a disciple only part way, according to Jesus? Is it possible? If we say we follow him, how about I just start early? Do you go to people when, they're, when you're upset at them? Did you know the Bible says to do that? 
Do you go to people if you think they're upset at you? Did you know the Bible says to do that? Did you know that? Well, that's not peaceful. That's not peace what you're dealing with. Pretending an issue goes away isn't peace. God says that. God says those two things. If your brother sins against you, go to him. If you're at the altar, right, giving your sacrifice and you, you remember your brother has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar and go make it right before you offer it. How many of you practice that? Well, I do that. I do the good Christian thing and I let it go. That's not what he said to do. That's not what he said to do. And, you, and a lot of times we act like we do that because it's a noble thing. I'm loving people. No, 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 you're loving yourself. You want to be comfortable. And you, you wrap it in love. It's an ugly thing wrapped in love, painted with Jesus. It's not the way it's supposed to be. We're lazy too, right? If I have to go to you because you're upset at me, I might have to work at it. We might have to sit there for an hour and Lord forbid that somebody take your hour of comfort. You got to get home and soak your feet. Right? No, I don't know. People do that. But that's true. What about going to church? Sometimes we take, what happens when the world takes our selfishness and paints it with love? What do we do then? What happens when part of Christendom, fancy word for the church as a whole, agrees with it? But, but just subtly, just subtly, it's not going exactly where Jesus goes. That's not a political statement. That's, I'm, I'm being honest. The thing about Christianity, I had this talk the other day with someone, is like you have to understand the cost. And in America, we've made a version of Christianity that has no cost, but here's this terrifying thing. It doesn't exist. It's counterfeit. It's fool's gold. It will be revealed, ready for this, in the fire. And that's what's happening in our country today, in the world. The church is being revealed to be what it really is. Disciples are being separated from Christians. And, the, and my, my biggest fear, and I'm talking, guess this isn't to you, though you should listen. I don't know you. My church family, I'm concerned for you. Because that can even happen in the culture of a church. It becomes acceptable, and it sounds good, but is it biblical? You have to scrub your mind from the world that tells you just sell your stuff and be a doctor know-all. Just do this and it's good enough. <clears throat> Typically, I like to take a section if you've been here long term, and, I, and we will, we're going to tear apart a big section. We're not doing that today. We're going to kind of do what's called a survey because I want to make a point. I want you to listen to these words as though you don't know it. I want you to envision Christ as sitting here talking to us today, and I want you to deal with this. I don't know, I can't tell you how to deal with it, but you need to deal with it. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. I'm reading from the CSB, Christian Standard Bible. What is that? Apparently this has come up a lot lately. <clears throat> Bible translations are on a, on, a, on a line. Come to Foundations class, we'll talk about it, right? On the one hand is what's called literal or word-for-word -word translation. On the other hand is thought-for-thought -thought translation. On thought-for-thought, -thought, you have things like the message. It sounds all flowery and nice, and it's like I take it and I translate it, the thought of it. Word-for-word -word is literally I'm going to take the Greek or the Hebrew, and I'm going to word-for-word -word translate it, even if it doesn't make any sense directly. 
Okay? The CSB is somewhere in the middle towards the word for word. Make sense? It's a little more readable publicly, but it's still very true to the source. That's come up lately, so I figured, why not tell him, Jess? Why not tell him? Okay, here we go. I'm feeling a little froggy today. Here we go. John 8, verses 30 through 32. As he was saying these things, who's he, capital H? There we go. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Many. Let's hear that. This is very, very important. Go back. I got you. I tricked you. Many believed in him. Many believed in him. Believed in him. Okay, next verse. Go ahead. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. Now you're awkwardly slow. Go on. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So there's a crowd of people, many believe, and it says he turned to the ones who believed in him and said, if you're really my disciples, you will continue in my word. Continue in my word. The implication here is the possibility of going part way. But part way is going to separate the disciples from the believers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or am I losing you? Let me throw a pulpit. Right? Can I get an amen? Don't do it. But right? That's, that may, I, I see why they do that. Let that sink in. Well, I believe. How many times? I believe. And the whole Bible's filled with this. Well, show me. Your faith without works. Show me a faith that doesn't show itself in your actions, and I'll show you something that's dead, the book of James, right? If you could, some of you in here say, I believe. Do you continue in his word? Just the parts you like? Does he say that? All right, jump to John, four chapters later, the Gospel of John chapter 12, verse, verses 25 through 26. This is Jesus again. I'll give you a second. Nice. I like it. You guys brought your... You did it. You did the challenge. You brought your hard bobs. i got to slow down. I'm not used to it. Those that are guests, I told them and challenged them to bring their, their uh, what is it called? Hard, what is it called? Hardbound, hardback, whatever. Your actual Bible. <clears throat> you there? When you got it, say I got it. Nice. John chapter 12, verse 25, 26. The one who loves his life, this is Jesus again, will lose it. Stop. Remember what I told you. Don't Christianize this. Let this sink into you. He's saying it to you right now. The one who loves his life will lose it. Oh, boy. Well, I like my life. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Okay, Zach, you're scared now. you got to stay with me, buddy. (laughs) If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I'm going to read that again. The one, verse 25, the one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Can you follow someone if you don't stay close to him, really? What if you take a nap while they're walking? You're going to wake up and they're gone. What if you decide to take a detour? You might find them again, but you might not. You must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. Oof. Jesus is saying this to you. You know it, though, right, Christians? You've heard this before. So you know it. Why do we come? We know everything. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You want the Father to honor you, you must serve me. How do you serve me? By being where I am. I'm building something here. You'll see. So what does that mean? The one who loves his life will lose, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That's interesting. Stay with We'll come back to that. <clears throat> 
Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. Then he said to them, capital H, that Jesus, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. What is a man benefited if he gains the whole world, yet loses or, for, loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, and that of the Father and the Holy Angel. You're not ashamed, though, right? I'm not ashamed. Every time you decide not to go to your brother or sister, I'm bringing that one up because that's a big one, right? It's wrapped in love. When there's an issue and you don't ask what's wrong, and there's an issue and you don't make it right, Aren't you ashamed of his words? Every time you don't go to church, every time you don't give, every time you don't serve, aren't you ashamed of his words? Aren't you saying in that moment, listen, when you consciously do it, right? Well, Todd, I mess up sometimes. This isn't about shaming you. I'm talking about the times we consciously choose and justify to not do what he told us to do because why? It makes us uncomfortable. It's not convenient. We have to face this. Let that sink in. If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself. So to follow him is going to naturally include denying yourself. What does denying yourself mean? You don't get what you want all the time. You don't get to feel comfortable all the time. You don't get to go where you want to go all the time. It doesn't happen that way. Now, before you say, well, that sounds mean, parents, it's really easy. Do you let your kids do whatever they want? I know you don't. Why? Because it's not for their good. And sometimes... He must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. We have Christianized the cross. We've cleaned it up. It's become something we wear. There's nothing wrong with that. But we must remember that it's a symbol of death. It's an execution and torture device. Do you, do you believe that? <coughs> do you think he just you know, floated up there and, and laid there? No, it's a torture device. If they want to kill people quick back then, they chop your head off. If they want to torture you, they hang you on a cross. You don't die from blood loss on the cross. There's a reason they stab Jesus in the side. You suffocate slowly. Isn't that interesting? Do you want to do that? Take up your cross, your execution, your struggle, and follow him? I don't all the time. Now, a lot of us, this is, this is going to be a deep one, I think. Maybe it's like you guys are brilliant and it won't be deep at all, but I'm going to explain this to you. See, a lot of times we justify this by saying, well, Todd, I do that. I don't get drunk every day. I don't take drugs. I don't commit adultery. You know, I, I go to my job and I do all of the things that I am supposed to do. No, you don't. Just the big things. I go to church most of the time. I give my money most of the time. I serve most of the time. Is that execution? Is that cross? Is that you justify your lack of action by the areas you do walk? Judas could have done that. I only betrayed you once, Jesus. I was with you all the other times. I cast out demons in your name. Did you guys know that he did that? You don't believe that? Go look. The 12 did that. That he was entrusted to do that? You see, sometimes the proof of whether someone's disciple comes way, way, way later. You might even accomplish great things. What are you not willing to see? That just happened to be the line 
I spit everywhere. The line where Jesus, I mean, where Judas, that was his line. That was his, I'm not going any farther. Some of yours are, I don't want to go ask for forgiveness. I don't want to forgive someone. But you justify it because you do what? 90% right? 50%? Well, go to the 50% doctor. Remember? He went to, he went to have his classes. Jesus is the one who tells us the qualifications to be his disciple. We don't get to determine that. Neither does your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, the pastor. I don't get to tell you that. Well, Todd, you're earning it. You know, you're, not, you're not at this church very often. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. The, the worst thing in the world I could do is make you believe that you're saved when you're not. It's to let you walk out and think that as long as you do this stuff, you're good. It's not popular. If I want to be popular, I just tell you that you're awesome and that God's going to give you a bunch of money if you give me money. Or your blessings, or your husband, or your wife, or that new car, or whatever else it is, right? I mean, that's the truth. It's easy to be popular. You don't believe me? You don't think I can be popular? You said, no, I can. She said, no, he can't. Yeah, you're probably right. I wouldn't last long. Anyway, yeah. What does it benefit if a man gains the whole world yet forfeits or loses his soul? What if you look good and you look like a Christian? What if the whole world looked like one? What if the whole world wasn't one? What if the whole world was following a faith? Stay with me. This is deep. I told you. I didn't say this reality. But could it happen? Could an entire church not follow the true gospel? Sure. Isn't that terrifying? So how do you know? Well, Jesus told us in the first one, my word, continue in my word. This next one is the one that's going to connect with everything. You're going to understand Luke 14, 25 through 33. Luke 14, 25 through 33. When you got it, say, I got it. You can just uh, go ahead and catch up, but I want to read so you're not waiting here awkwardly for me. Luke 14, 25 through 33. Now, great crowds were traveling with him. There we go again. We got great crowds. Jesus tends to say the most shocking things to the biggest crowds. (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? Separate the man from the boys. Big dog, stay on the porch, you know, whatever you want to say. Great, now, great tr- crowds are traveling with him, so he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his life, he cannot be my disciple. 90% of you walk out the door. You don't hate your kids. You don't hate your husband. You don't hate your wife. See, this is one of those ones that you don't want to deal with, so you skip it. I get what he means. He said it for a reason. What did he just say? If you don't hate those people, do you hate them? He cannot be a disciple. I don't hate those people. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation or softball field and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to make fun of him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not say goodbye to all of his possessions cannot be my disciple. Hey, you got any stuff? No, you're out. I do want, he said this for a reason. Now, clearly, he didn't mean you need it, because Tata, I thought I was supposed to love my, my wife and my husband and my kids. You know, I don't understand what I hate. In comparison to him, In comparison to him, what if your husband's spouse said, bow your knee to this false God? 
What if they said walk away? What if they said whatever it is? In comparison to your love for Christ and your desire to follow him, it has to be like hate. Do you understand? Give me something. If you don't, I need to describe it. You need to deal with this. And, that's our, and he said this for a reason. And he goes on to say, you must count the cost. There will be a cost to this. And that's what shocks so many people. Everybody loves the idea of being forgiven, of having love and grace and mercy and peace. But the thing, the thing about it, right, the rich young ruler, what do I do, Lord, to inherit eternal life? I know you know, you know, well, you know, follow, be a good person, follow the commandment. I've done that. Okay, leave everything and follow me. I can't do that. What's your thing? If you can't even go to someone when you're upset at them, a Christian, if you can't make it right, then don't talk to me about the rest of it. That's base level stuff. If you can't forgive, if you can't, if you can't want to, if you can't put forth the effort, if I have an issue with Jill and I don't want to take 15 minutes to go to her and say, you hurt me and upset me, but instead want to harbor bitterness, I'm not going to sit around here and act like I'm this great disciple. That's base level stuff. Do you know how powerful it is that Jesus said if you're at the altar giving your sacrifice to leave it? We don't understand that. The atonement sacrifice, the thing that makes you right, leave that because that won't make you right. If you're not right with your people, if you don't have a heart of forgiveness, if you haven't made it right, that's worthless. What is your thing? Some of you, it's church. Do you understand that? And if you're guests, I apologize. I'm glad you're But you need to find the church. He says it. Do not neglect to meet as is the habit of some. Well, I go when I can. That's not the option. Well, there's all the churches are bad. Yeah, they are. They're filled with sinful people. It's crazy. It's so funny, man. We have created this thing. It's like, I, I, do you know, I've said this before if you're guests, do you know the things I get? I just had this talk with my friends, some, some brothers. We were talking, had a really good talk about God the other day at like 1 a.m., <clears throat> And I accidentally hit, this is embarrassing. In the midst of this conversation, I accidentally hit the voice memo and sent it to someone. Because I was like holding it. It was embarrassing. We're talking about uh, John the Baptist. It was very awkward. Because it was a part where it doesn't matter. Anyway, <clears throat> why did I tell you that? I don't know. <clears throat> the point is, when we're, when we're talking, the thing that people get most mad at me about is not all the things that make sense. I'm abrasive whatever you want to come up with. It's literally the, when I tell you, the, God, when I read God's word, like this, this message is so easy for me because it's literally here in black and white and I've made people angry <laughs> and they hate me. It's the weirdest thing, which I know why, right? And if that's you, gotcha. Why are you mad? I don't know you. <laughs> I didn't know your situation. It's because we don't like that our worldview gets rocked. We have created, America has given us, and that's why it's so scary. It's so scary what's happening. I always think that this verse has been in my head a lot lately, and, and I'm not a great pastor because I'm not going to be able to quote to you what it is, but I, I always remember the verses. A form of godliness but denying its power. Somebody out there knows it. What is it? No one? There you go. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. That's the church today. That's Christians and we can't be that. If there's no cost to your faith, you're not following Jesus. I'll say it again. If there is no cost to your faith, you are not following Jesus. Does that make anybody upset? Yeah, it does. Me too. It's uncomfortable. 
Well, I like to be a peacemaker. It's so funny. You always will remember the blessed are the peacemakers and you justify it, right? I know some of you. I'm just doing what God said to be a peacemaker. That's not what he meant. Not at the expense of truth. Not at the expense of obedience. There is a difference, and this is crucial. Those of you who are new here who may take from this that I'm saying some sort of earn it mentality, completely against that. You can't, even if you did everything perfect, you're in trouble. Our tagline is chosen by grace. God chooses us by his grace and saves us and holds us. It's only him. If it were dependent on us at all, we're in trouble. But you have to be held by him in order to have those benefits. And in order to do that, it shows itself in your actions. You understand? Does that make sense? So this is very important. I'm going to tell you the difference. There is a difference between accepting God's truth and stumbling and failing and justifying not following God's truth. So example, there's a difference between saying, I'll use church, it's an easy one. It's, by the way, I get to say it because I was the guy who hated church, a Christian. I was a Christian that didn't, I know, I know it's ironic. God has a sense of humor. I didn't like it because I thought it was filled with mean people. I was right, but <laughs> I'm just kidding, you guys are great. Anyway, that's the truth, okay? So I say this humbly, I mean this, but let's think about that. I was that guy. I'll use myself. I said, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I said that literally out of my mouth numerous times. And I was partially right until God hammered me and said, but Christians go to church. You know? <clears throat> but here's the thing. There's a difference between someone saying, hey, uh, I, need, I need to go to church. I haven't found a church home. Maybe I'm hurt. I admit it. I'm hurting. It's hard for me to be in community. And I know I need to. It's wrong. And it's just a struggle for me. And my family got burned, you know, et cetera. And someone's saying, I don't have to. I don't have to go. Are you kidding me? I'm saved by grace. You see the difference? No? One person has literally changed the truth to fit their lifestyle, while another is saying, I'm struggling to fit the lifestyle. There's a difference between saying someone who's maybe trapped in pornography, (gasps) who is saying or lust of some kind, is saying, I know it's wrong, and I fail, and they're they're working through it, and I'm... I mess up, and they, and they go to God about it, and they're fighting, and no, it doesn't make it okay. But there's, you know, that, there's a difference, and God gives us grace in that moment versus someone that says, it's cool, I can do what I want. I mean, we're going to get married someday anyway. There's a difference. It's not about earning it, but it's about changing the truth. Anytime you change the truth to fit your lifestyle, anytime you change God's word or truth to fit your lifestyle or desires, you're not a disciple. You're following something else. I always have this gross picture. I want to make it someday. I'm not artistic. so I mean, It's like, have you ever seen in the old days, I'm a nerd, so I love medieval times. Have you ever see the old puppets that'd be on a stick and they kind of flop around and they look ridiculous, they're kind of cheap? Does anybody know? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, I should have had it up on it. Nice, most of you do. <clears throat> Google that, guys. Maybe you could find it. Anyway, um, it's like we have that stick and we just painted a sign that says Jesus on it. And it kind of looks like him with like scraggly hair and what we view him. And we kind of just hold him around and everybody's like, yeah, that's Jesus. It's so funny. He always goes wherever I want to go. I love being a Christian. Me and Jesus are buddies. He always likes what I like. It's so weird. Wherever I go, he's right there with me. Who's going to, like, let's say a house. I'm sure Dave Ramsey wouldn't tell you to do this, right? Go just buy a house, build it. If you don't have enough money, who cares? Just do it a little bit at a time, and then if it doesn't work out, okay. You don't get the option. It's okay to, or people would highlight, it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. That's, it's not okay. Jesus had to pay for it. But we have that freedom in Christ. There's peace in that. 
But you need to understand, I don't care if you're 70 or 10, if you're not obedient because it's not comfortable for you, you're not following him. Now, does that mean every time you do that, that you're not a disciple of Christ? No, of course not. We know that disciples will eventually, they'll get themselves back on track, right? We look at Peter. Peter did that. Peter got back on track. By the way, Peter stumbled off again. We know that in the book of Acts when Paul had to go, uh, had to go confront him. It happened again. That's, what, that's going to happen. So hear me. I'm not talking about a performance treadmill of faith in which you earn your salvation through good acts. But what I am saying is stop lying to yourself. And stop lying to this world that they can follow a puppet made up Jesus just because it sounds good. Do you know there are people in this room, and I can say it, people in this church, that you will, be, you will shut up truth by bringing up the word love. If someone doesn't make you feel loved, then that's not Jesus. No, what you've created is a drug. It happens all the time. It's heartbreaking to me. You don't want to deal with something, so you change the truth, and you hate the person telling you the truth. That's a big clue. If you're mad at a message, and it doesn't have to do with someone twisting the truth, there's a problem in you. And I could tell you right now, I ain't going to make you raise your hand how many of you got mad at me before. Or mad at someone, I'm not going to, because I already know I'd be every one of you, except for the new people, and I probably already got made you mad. I'm so sorry. Well, the parts that are me, I am. It is terrifying to me. I had, like I said, I had a really good talk. You know, Todd, I don't understand this. And like, I want to be a disciple. And it's like, I feel like, and then they had this epiphany. I don't want to tell this person's story, but it's like they're saying, I, I don't know how to get you to understand. Guys, this is depressing. It starts depressing. If you focus on the death of what you want, it's depressing. But the death of your, what you want isn't the best. And you have to release that. You have to die to your desires. You can quote to me every verse in the Bible. But if you don't understand that simple fact, that at the end of the day, God loves me and wants good for me, but good doesn't always go my way. They're not synonymous. My way and good are not synonymous. There will be pain. That's terrifying. See, I'm going to lose people. But that's reality. It hurts to... Have to not do things you want to do. It hurts to stand against the crowd. It's easy when it's the world. Oh, I'm not like those non-Christians. What about it when it's the, the, the pulse or the current of the church? Can anybody here say that popular bubblegum, saran-wrapped Christianity is the Christianity of the Bible? I can't. Now, here's the good news. A lot of the misery and dead faith in your life is actually, it's a backwards thing. You only find life in death. Meaning, that's big. We'll talk about the gospel in a second. But in, you have to let go of your desires, and God has something better for you. When I was 20 years old, you know, last year, <laughs> when, I, when I was 20 years old, I thought the best life that could ever be for me would be a teacher who coaches football. Seriously, that was the best life, and, I, and that's what I wanted. And sometimes I'm still like, that would be nice. <clears throat> I thought the best life for me to be playing the NFL, all these other things. That was the literal best for me. I didn't have a clue. Because I can honestly say now, God had what, when I obey him, my life has been far better than it would have ever been. But I would have never known that unless every, those moments of, of, of carrying my cross. 
How do I respond when I sin? How do you respond? How do we do this thing? Sometimes I struggle with messages like this because it's, I'm not going to have a list for you today. And it's easy because you get a list and you get to go home with what you know you need to work on. And I get it. I want to do that. But this is, I'm trying to get you to see a point here. If you're sad in your faith, you're one of those people, it's like, man, there's so many different kinds of Christians. There's real believers. You're saved, right? But you're so disconnected. And part of the reason, you know, like this stuff, like I know he's real and you can't walk away completely, but you don't fully dive in because like it's dead and you're wondering why I'm about to tell you. It's because you're not obeying. It's like taking a fish and throwing it on land. You might live for a while, but you're not going to be healthy. You want real life. You want a faith that's alive and vibrant and miraculous. Then you have to follow him because the miracles are only with Jesus. Anything else is counterfeit. It's such a strange thing. You know, there's times that, I've said this many times if you're new, I get to say this to new people. You guys that hear it all the time, roll your eyes. But like, I wasn't raised in the church, and most of the time, I'm really sad about it because I don't have a lot of like family members, you know, who, who, who really get what, what this is about, right? How are you going to get that? And I don't get a lot of support sometimes in the way that I want, but I can't, t- I, am, I am so thankful because a lot of it is, and I still don't do it right, is I read the Bible. I didn't go to church. I got saved at an event. They gave me a New Testament, and I read it. And so when I came, it's like sometimes I, I'm thankful for that opportunity because I'm like, I didn't have, like, 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 I didn't have those traditions making me go, what? This is hard. Following him is hard. Count the cost. Have you? Here's my best advice to you. If you're one of those people that's kind of like kind of following, quit. Save yourself the hassle and misery of pretending that you, you're, this is real to you. Because you're just playing a masquerade. That's why you hate it. You hate it because it has no life in it. Why? Because you're following a puppet Jesus. There's one Jesus. Is this resonating with any of you or is it too, is it too deep or too big? Does that make sense? Survey, do you understand for real? If, if it's a no, no. I'll stay up here through three minutes. I was going to say three hours because you'll definitely say you understand. Many believed him, so Jesus said to the Jews, if you continue my words, you're really my disciples. What words? Just the ones you like? Do you get to shape Christianity to mold yourself? When you go listen to a sermon, does it get, in, does it get filtered through your brain? Or do you filter your brain through God's word? I can't tell how many times someone comes up to me, and like I appreciate it. I, listen, if you want to give me a compliment or a negative, come and give it, because I'm a words guy. I love it. <clears throat> but sometimes, man, it's like, you, you know, I'm getting a grade. <laughs> like, if I did it the way you like it. Or some other pastor. Is it truth? If you continue my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Are you miserable? Because if so, maybe you're not really free. You've got to follow. What is, let's go on. The one who loves his life will lose it. The one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You can't halfway do this. You can't. It's miserable. I'm going to tell you guys right now. You ready? Can't confess it. This is why I'm a terrible pastor. I shouldn't tell you this. If Jesus wasn't real, I would not be a Christian. You're going to be like, duh, no, no, no. Some of you still would because you like this social club. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. This is too hard. Playing this game is way too hard. Living together, right? You don't like living with me. I don't like living with you sometimes, okay? It's hard rubbing and, and being against each other, but it's beautiful, if it wasn't real, I wouldn't do it. And it's so, I, I get so confused by people who do it. You love religion. <laughs> That's such an odd thing to me. If anyone serves me, must follow me. Follow you where? 
You know, I talked to the guys in the remnant house. I shouldn't say this. Like, I kind of jumped them yesterday. They'll tell you this. And you guys that have seen it, so many of you would have thought I was the meanest guy. And I kind of was. And I had to apologize for how harsh I was. But <clears throat> one of the things is, like, I'm never going to stop, like, seeing people. Do you see the hurt and broken? Do you go to them? Or do you just focus on yourself? There's so many things, man. What does it mean to love someone? Then he said to them, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. When, do, you, do you ever feel like you're denying yourself? Or is your faith kind of easy? Uh, I like when some of you are like, yeah, he got me. Yeah. We want to save his life, we'll lose it. So the whole point is not going and killing yourself and committing suicide. It's not hating your wife, but it's saying you got to understand how far you're willing to go. Would you walk away from it? If I lead you from your wife because she's going a different way, would you go? Or would you chase after her? Or vice versa? P.S., do not, do not twist that, Okay? I'm not telling you, God hates divorce. Anyway, not to shame you either, but here's the thing. This is the point. There's a reason he says father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, girlfriend, boyfriend, dog, I don't know. Video game? What's your thing? Count the cost. Now here's the beauty. On the other side of that cost is life. Right? On the other side of that cost is miracles. On the other side of that cost is healing. On the other side of that cost is all of those beautiful things. It reminds me, right? We get Jesus comes up to the man who can't walk and he says, do you want to be healed? That's what God says to us. Do you want to be healed? Follow me. Do you want life? Follow me. Well, well that's scary, God. Jesus says a lot of really callous things unless you understand what he's saying. Remember they, one guy goes, hey, I, my uncle, I'm going to paraphrase, my uncle died and I need to go bury him. He goes, let the dead bury their own. Follow me. Well, I can't tell you guys to do that if you have a sniffle. Hey, man, I can't because you'll get mad at me. You don't like it. Me either. Are you guys, if... If, right? If anyone serves me, you must follow me. If you continue my word, you really are my disciples. If anyone wants to come with me, you must deny himself. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother. If, if, if. There's always a cost. And if there isn't, you have to ask if you're following Jesus. Well, the really handsome preacher guy that's famous told me that I am, if I love myself. Oof. He's not Jesus. I don't have a cleaned message for you today, and if you're a guest, you should come one more time when I'm kind of normal. <clears throat> Today's not one of those times. As I kind of thought about wrapping this up until Easter, I thought, what, what, what can I leave you with? What can we walk away from this series with? And it's saying that it's very simple, guys. Jesus is always going to lead us from the thing we're most scared to give up. Doesn't mean he won't give it back, but he's always going to lead us from that. Leave your nets, and I'll make you fishermen of men. That's their livelihood, <laughs> right? Rich young ruler, sell your possessions and follow me. On and on and on. Paul, hey, leave your status. Follow me. Now, here's the good news. It's worth it. It's worth it. If doesn't leave a lot of room for misinterpretation, your way isn't God's way. My way isn't God's way. No matter how accepted it is publicly. Do you hear that? If you don't walk out of here today 
with some area of your life that you know mm, I need to, then you're then you're you're scary to me because I know it does me. You can hold on to your religious image, or you can follow Jesus. Which do you want to do? Your way isn't God's way, no matter how it's accepted publicly. Here's the gospel, though. It is called good news. And if you're in the room today, you deserve to hear the good news. But the good news starts with bad news, as sometimes most things. In order for it to be good, why is it good? This is reality. God created everything, and he made it perfect. You can see it. Guys, listen, don't deny reality. That's crazy. You ever thought about the Big Bang Theory? Oh, you mean something happened, and then everything was created. Isn't that funny? Like God snapped his fingers. Anyway, God created everything. He made it perfect, and he made us perfect to live in. There was really only one rule. Don't let anyone fool you. The rule was, we already knew what good was. He said it. It was good. Man was good. It was good. We had one rule. Let me be the one to tell you what right and wrong is. That's what it was. Let me be your compass. Let me walk with you and teach you and show you, and I will tell you right and wrong. You don't need to know. You don't need to make that decision yourself. And we rejected that. Just like you do every day and I do every day when we decide to go our way and justify it because we know better than God. And because of that, we've rebelled against our creator. And so we were cast out. He said, you don't want to be with me? Then go be on your own. And thousands of years of human existence show us what happens when the creation walks away from the creator, right? That's sin. That's brokenness. That's all of this. Look at the world. Something's wrong. Sin is both a nature, means it's a disease, it's inherent. You can do the right things. That's why being religious won't save you. I'll take a cough drop, you hear my voice, I'm still sick. Something has to treat the inside. So religion tries to control all the symptoms. I'll be a good person all these different ways. I'll get rid of my cough and my headache and my sniffles and whatever else. But I'm still sick. We, the Bible says that sin leads to death that we have stored up wrath for ourselves. You, in this room today, I'm sorry to tell you this, this is bad news. You don't, I don't believe in God. That's fine. He believes in you. And it doesn't really matter if you believe. I give this example a lot. Why don't you, you can jump off a bridge and say, I don't believe in gravity, but you're still going to hit the ground. That's our situation. Without God, without payment for your sins, the mistakes you made. Well, I'm a pretty good person. Well, let me come in your house, rob you, steal your stuff, take your wife, kick your grandma, all right? And when they take me to the, to the courtroom, I'll say, hey, 364 days a year, I'm a good person. And they say, go ahead, Todd, you can go free. Is that justice? No. God is just and God is good. We have to pay a penalty. But even if we paid that penalty... We would still be able to mess up again, wouldn't we? We do, we'd break the law again. Well, what's the law? When anytime you don't follow God, which is all the time. We're inherently, something's wrong with us. So when we couldn't save ourselves and make our way to God, God made his way to us. God came down, invaded this earth in a form of a man. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, existed. He taught us how to live. He performed miracles to prove who he was. And then he did something that no one has ever done before. He died on a cross. That part people have done. He died on the cross for your sins and mine. The Father turned his back on him so he will never have to turn his back on you. He took the weight of your sin. And then he did something no one's ever done. After he died, he rose from the dead on the third day, defeating death. 
And Jesus Christ says this. This is what it says. If you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was Lord, you'll be saved. What does that mean? At the cross, an incredible thing is offered to you. But you have to be willing. You give him your sin and your brokenness. You, and he will give you the benefits of his perfect life. He will have taken the punishment, but then does something incredible. He gives you the benefits of his spotless life forever so that you will never again incur wrath. Because there is none. When the Father looks at you, he will see good and perfect and holy and obedient, just like Jesus was, forever. Period. So how do you have that? You have to confess your lips and believe in your heart. You have to believe. You have to walk away from yourself. You have to say, God, I know my way doesn't lead to life. I'm sorry for my sins and my mistakes. I want what you have. Jesus, please forgive me. You have to be willing to say it because it takes pride. You have to kill that part of you. And if you do that, guys, you will be forever saved. Well, I'm not perfect. I still have addictions. Still have, it doesn't matter. It's over. He will change you. And you will know that if you walk out of here today and, Lord forbid, a bus hits you, that you'll be in paradise forever. That's the gospel. But here's the crazy thing. When you become saved, you don't just wait to die. He gives you his Holy Spirit. He seals it within you. He gives you peace, joy, love, all these things he, he shows you and teaches you. It's real. I have no reason to tell you this. It's real. My life is a living testimony to it. I shouldn't be here. So if that's you in this room and you don't know Jesus, typically we do an altar time. We're not doing it today. I know it's a weird day. I'm going to try to get you to come back and see what it's really like. But I do encourage you this. Come and find me. Come and find one of the pastors, put them in a blue shirt. I would love to pray with you. I would love to welcome you into the kingdom, into the family, so that you can be forever at peace and know that nobody can take it from you. Jesus himself says that those whom is given to him, he will never let go of. He says that in the Gospel of John. Well, Todd, this guy said that if I sin and mess up because I'm going to do it again, then, then, I'm, then I'll lose it, and that's why I don't know. You won't. You can't lose what you never earned. It was gifted to you. But count the cost because you have to die to yourself to live in him. Make sense? That's it. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. God, I pray right now for everyone in this room, Lord, that including myself. Lord, show us the ways in which we haven't followed. Be merciful and gentle. Remind us. Stay close to us, Lord, when we tend to stay far from you. Forgive us of our sin and our disobedience. God, we pray for the church in this country, Lord, that it would turn away from puppet Jesuses and turn to the living Savior. And um, I pray for everyone in this room that they would just walk out of here yeah, this, some of this is scary, but knowing that on the other side of letting go of what we think life is, is when you can give us true, real, real, vibrant life. We thank you and praise you, Lord God, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.